0: and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is Tom Trini, an American organist and improviser who is known for his engaging improvisations on hymns, submitted themes, silent films, scripture, poetry and artwork. And uh, he became the first organist to be awarded the first prize and audience prize in the American Guild of Organists national competition in organ improvisation in 2006. Tom has performed at Royce Hall, the Schermerhorn Symphony Hall, Benaroya Hall in Seattle, Ocean Grove Auditorium in New Jersey, Portland Municipal Auditorium in Maine, Spreckles Organ Pavilion, San Diego, and Verizon Hall at Kimmel Center, Philadelphia. And uh, has served as organist and clinician at regional and national conventions of the American Guild of Organists, and um, uh, the Organ Historical Society and uh, the Presbyterian Association of Musicians, the Association of Lutheran Church Musicians, National Association of Pastoral Musicians, the Fellowships of uh, United Methodists in Music and Worship Arts, and the Calvin Institute of Worship. In general, he is so inspiring, improviser, and, and uh, musician and communicator that you will see in our conversation that uh, Tom. Uh, who is a living representation of, of what's possible in the world of improvisation uh, he will definitely inspire you at least to come out uh, of, of your um, fears right, and try out the new ideas that you can create the music in the moment in this conversation Tom teaches you and uh, you will discover the ways of how can you be less scared of improvising in the moment let's go to the show so tom uh, i'm so delighted to be able to talk t- uh, to you you're n- such an inspiration to all the improvisation lovers in the world organ improvisations uh, who 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 admire you uh, for the art you do right uh, i think uh, we met uh, we met um, maybe 12 years ago, maybe more maybe 14 years ago in Eastern Michigan University do you remember the time when um, uh, Pamela Reuter Finstra organized one of her improvisation symposiums And I do, yeah, what yeah, a great event yeah, 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 and at what t- one time you were participating and uh, David Heard was teaching right, and um, that's and, correct. Yeah, and I remember those fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, modes that you were playing with your, I don't know, both feet probably. You you made canon seem uh, seem so so easy. You know, you were playing. I don't know, maybe six voice texture somehow. It's it's it was sort of sort of unbelievable at that age to do this. You were you were um, very very young. At least seemed that way. So thank you so much for being such an inspiration. One more time and welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege.
0: Great. Um, of course, um, a lot of things have changed on, uh, from that uh, from that uh, day from that. Uh, our meeting, right, and um, uh, let's start uh, of course with our feeling we, uh, we had uh, uh, when we, listening, we were listening to you at when you were performing these canons, uh, you know, um, everyone participating in the symposium was uh, sort of v- very interested in, in improvisation, but at the same time quite scared of it you know did you notice that when you were playing uh, those canons and fantasies on the organ uh, around you there was an af- atmosphere of i don't know uh, tension because we were holding our breath and rooting for you you know so did you did you remember <laughs> that feeling or not probably not i absolutely you know
1: <laughs> it's interesting the some of the words you used to describe it i i sometimes think of improvisation as is pushing us as musicians to an even more vulnerable place than we're ordinarily uh, expected to go. And golly, uh, it it does take a lot of courage, I think, and um, in just having a trust in the spirit in some sense, you know, because as a musician, you love that sensation of I practice so well I know what it's going to feel like to do this and so on. And, um, you know, as an improviser, we prepare and practice and, you know, experiment. But in any given moment, we can't necessarily call upon the spirit to do the exact thing we want it to do. Um, so there's, there is a bit of mystery, I think. But but uh, I've always been so inspired by that place of wonder that happens you know between our brains and the keyboard uh in in those c- kind of creative moments and uh and so I, I i often encourage people to say you know the um to just to take that and to take that risk and to, and to see what happens and to know if it's no good well you don't have to, have to do it again
0: uh. <laughs> right right so. Uh, you know it takes a lot of courage right to improvise probably for some people and uh, do you have an idea uh, why some people are so scared of improvisation
1: well I I think in some ways it may go back to people's initial experiences uh, with music where we look at it you know if they're taught in a certain way you look at a sheet of music and when you play this note you push down this when you see this note, you push down this key and when when your thumb gets here you you move it underneath and you, things are so specific and uh and i I was fortunate to be invited uh as a young pianist uh to learn from the suzuki method mm. which um which was newer in those days for piano anyway and um it, of course the the idea of that is for learners who may well not be as interested. Uh, not be as adapted to visual learning as they are to trusting the ear, and so I think um, for somebody like me, that was such a gift to to learn what things sound like, and then to translate that into what they feel like on the keyboard, and and so uh, I, I feel grateful for kind of having uh, having stumbled upon that before I would have known uh, any better or to know what even to look for in the first place. So, you know, I think we're we're all tipped in in different learning styles, and uh, I was fortunate to be invited to to that method, which I think then led to my openness in those spontaneous moments for improvisation.
0: Right. And uh, what happened later? How were you introduced to pipe organ?
1: Yeah, um, I sang in a men and boy choir while I was, uh, four, I think it was in third or fourth grade that I joined, and we had a fantastic Ian e. Skinner organ in our church and a wonderful organist who also conducted the choir often from from the console. And actually, I was quite taken with the idea of being a choir director, but my. Role model was one who played the organ and conducted, and I kind of assumed that that was uh, that was what one would have to do. So um, one thing leads to another, and I I, I started to take organ lessons. And, um, and when you know when you're a teenager, nobody wants you to conduct them yet. So uh, I ended up focusing in, in my organ playing for a good while, and then then let the other one come back into the equation when it was when it was the right time so you know it's it's sure been m- most of my life that the organ has been a part of the music that has been most in- inspiring to me
0: right uh, of course uh, when you are so young this first experience will stay you probably for a long time right and maybe inspire you to to pursue further organ studies right for most of people and uh, uh, if we are lucky we meet a person in our lives uh, early on, right, a generous person sometimes from the uh, clergy, sometimes a local organist, right, who introduces the organ to us, maybe takes us inside of the instrument, right, takes the organ apart a Absolutely. little bit, and it's so tremendously important, right, to 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 uh, open the secrets, open up the secrets of of the organ of this grand instrument, and sometimes people get hooked by the mystery of it, right?
1: I think you're absolutely right, and I was very blessed uh, that our organist and choir master, uh, his name's Brian Mcnall, and he's now uh, at St. Mark's in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was in Painesville, Ohio, of all places at, at that time, and uh, he was very generous to allow me to explore the organ and to, to give me some of my first lessons. Then I, I was... Uh, Growing up, right about the time the pipe organ encounters that the American Guild of Organist sponsors were coming to be, and so I attended many of those as a teenager, and was just fascinated to meet other people my age, uh, as well as to uh, to have the opportunity as a teenager to meet many of the, and hear many of the great organists in, uh, that that were around. Um, teaching in the colleges and playing in the in the significant churches and so mm-hmm. what a gift that all was to uh, inspire me to find my path and dis- discern and discover my calling to be a church musician and uh, to be an organist so I'm so thankful as you say for those early experiences and for those generous people who take us by the hand and give us a chance to see what might be there for us to share
0: well exactly and uh AGOs um, initiative pipe organ encounters that's such a wonderful and tremendously important uh, work in uh, not only promoting the work but uh, but uh, also spreading spreading the love of foreigns for this instrument and and inspiring young people like you right and like me to to uh, to to pursue mm-hmm. further stu- studies that's that's probably priceless Priceless idea. Whoever thought of this first is, is, uh, I think, deserved to be carved in gold letters in the AGO's Hall uh, <laughs> w- w- of Fame <laughs> or or something. That's
1: right. A, I think that's right. If if that was the only thing our national organ guild was doing, why it would be worth all all the effort of having the organization. And, and so I, I totally agree with you what a powerful witness that's been to keeping, keeping good things going and I think you know as I said in another way I think it's really helped for younger people to find their way to have a community uh, early on in this kind of weird thing that you know especially growing up in a small town and I didn't know anyone else anywhere near my age that had an interest in this in this thing but to have the chance in in the summer to spend a week with those people, and then to then to be able to talk with them and connect with them and see where are you going to school, what are you playing, what you know, uh, it, it was tremendously helpful in making me feel part of a community, and uh, that I think the the organ and church music world continues to feel like kind of a big neighborhood even even today. So grateful to be a part of it.
0: Uh, exactly, exactly, Tom. And uh, how about improvisation? Uh, was improvisation also a part of uh, P.O.P. curriculum?
1: Yeah, you know, I think P-O-P, to some no. extent I recall that it was in some ways. I I do know. Uh, in my first pipe organ encounter, I got connected with uh, with Ann and Todd Wilson, mm-hmm. who ended up uh, becoming my teachers and mentors and. I do know for sure in so many of my lessons with them at the, at the POEs and beyond, you know, that improvisation was encouraged to be kind of part of the nuts and bolts of what we did instead of just, um, instead of only looking at literature. And um, and so I think they they were very generous, too, to see, you know, that interest in me and that potential and to help me figure out some ways to focus and harness it and so on and mm-hmm as i was growing and learning
0: did you have more curiosity about improvisation or more fear about it do you remember the feeling at the first, at the beginning you know
1: i yeah i don't remember being afraid of it i think it you know i remember even as a as kind of a young person uh hearing you know a melody on a video game i'd be playing on the atari i'm giving away my era now on the Atari or, right. um, something like that. And then, then I would go to the piano, um, and, and, you know, that melody would be in whatever kind of context was seemed appropriate at the time. And I remember my, my parents would sometimes be fascinated about, about that. But to me, it was almost like, it felt more like, you, you know, as you learn what different colors are, you get a sense when you're coloring in a picture of what, Colors kind of belong together or in certain ways, and sometimes they get a little blurred and and that's what musical sounds got to be like for me that certain things just kind of fit fit together and, and of course, at that moment, I didn't really know what to call any of those things or how to the terminology for it and that kind of thing and later, I learned at least some of that um it, you know going to school and trying to unpack it but I don't I don't think I was ever afraid and so I, um, I, I think one of the things I've realized in trying to teach sometimes is for people who are it's difficult for me to um, identify with that with that kind of initial fear and so I have to be very mindful of thinking of ways to help that are very um, that are very non-judgmental and that are you know and and that the kind of easy ways to dip people's feet in the pool before uh, mm-hmm. before they're comfortable mm-hmm. to kind of plunge in. So yeah, uh, I do I do try to be yeah. very mindful of that.
0: You you mentioned plunging in, right? But you also mm-hmm. mentioned uh, uh, dipping our toes, right? It's another way. It's like wading, right? Mm-hmm. Plunge, taking a plunge or wading very slowly. Both methods can be quite successful, but for some people, they need to, uh, I know, you know, take it in a step by step fashion, a little bit uh, take it easy at first, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. while while others like yourself probably would jump in right in and play three part cannons right away, you know? (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, no, I think. Um, and I think it's important to uh, for people to realize that sometimes they think of improvisation as you know um, being the guy who at the end of the concert gets an envelope full of themes and suddenly this incredible multi movement work emerges. But you know, improvisation is a lot more than just that. Um, it, it can be very small kinds of things, but that are that are very personal uh, and meaningful. And I think, I think it's important to me to encourage people to realize, you know, everybody has music inside of them that nobody else can make quite that same way. And I think if, if we're, if we're willing to find, to access that vulnerable place, even if it's in our own practice room, you know, and not necessarily in front of people, at least at first, I think we'll be surprised what's trying to come out. And, and figuring out how to allow it to come out I think I think of improvisation uh, and music in general more less like some you know I think of it like the sculpture it's not as though you're going to paste the nose onto your sculpture but instead you're going to try to take away the stuff that's getting in the way of of our seeing that you know that beautiful part of the um of the art kind of emerging and so stripping away our anxieties and our fears and our, you know, our self-checking and all of that and just seeing what happens and then figuring out how to evaluate and grow from there is, and I think, very, um, is very important for us.
0: Right. Because you can start in a quite uh, um, friendly way, right? You can limit your your techniques that you are exposed to, right? At first, maybe you can mm. improvise just using one note, right? Simple yeah. C notes oh, uh. here. And then slowly, yeah. week by week, you can add another wo- uh, note, right? And uh, another, another, uh, when you have a few notes, you can add a mode you, like like this. And uh, little by little, yeah, somebody like, uh, like person who is really initially afraid, but after a few months, his or her perspective about improvisation really can change one hundred eighty degrees mm-hmm. probably
1: I absolutely agree you know i I often talk in, in workshops and things about uh about having a, uh, thinking about improvisation if you are afraid, especially but even if you're not thinking more about the melody for. For, for a while than we tend to, mm-hmm. and I think so many of us who are more advanced, we start thinking of forms and harmonies and all of these things, but there's a tremendous amount we can learn from improvising with only a melody um and and so focusing on some of those basics uh can can be very meaningful i, I think uh, and open our minds in ways that that we that we'd be surprised and no matter. Where we're, we're coming from, and I think uh, you know another thing that's become very clear to me when when we're open to improvisation and thinking about creativity. You know, what's the what are we going to do with this melody? How how, how is this melody's uh, shape and a particular peculiar energy going to come to life in our improvisation? Well, then we look at all the music we play through a different set of eyes, thinking about what's the composer showing us and the way they've chosen to um, illustrate this melody and to um, dress it and to accompany it. And, and to me, um, as we spend time thinking about improvisation, in a way, we're also thinking about the whole realm of musicianship and composition. And I think that can have a tremendous impact on our interpretation of repertoire, even as it feeds us particularly as an improviser.
0: Exactly. I remember uh, Bill Porter once uh, told us uh, during, I think, one, one master class about improvisation that the more he thinks about it, the more he believes that anything that can be written down really can be improvised as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do you agree with this idea?
1: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think at least in general. I, I think... Um, yeah, I think that the, the idea for the improvisation is essentially that we're composing in real time mm-hmm. and we're not having the ability to go back with the eraser and undo but we're, we're also not withheld by what we might have thought at one point before we put the pencil down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, this is kind of an incredible continuum in the moment I think you know people ask me sometimes, uh you haven't written any organ music why why wouldn't you write down some of your improvisations and you know part of me th- thinks when i when I improvise, oh, that felt really good in that moment, but when I think about sitting down to write it out, I'm not sure it necessarily is something that matters to somebody else in a different moment, you know mm-hmm. that the to me, the distinguishing thing is not the craft of composition versus improvisation, but the purpose. You know, the the composition is meant to last. It's it's something that we're putting down that we think is is going to have sort of something that's going to matter to somebody over time, have value, ongoing value. The improvisation is something that we heighten to fit in whatever moment it might be made for. And so I think that kind of purpose is what distinguishes them to me rather than the quality or craft of uh, of them.
0: Mm-hmm. But you're not saying that uh, improvisers don't write write down things uh, as exercises, right? You probably also um, are working out sometimes with few subjects, right? Like canons also, other technical things, uh, harmonizations, right? Uh, uh, writing down things because it must be helpful, don't you think?
1: Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! I think, uh, yeah, I think what I mean is, mm-hmm. um, it's better to write down improvisations before you do them than after you do them. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. You're <laughs> right. In other words, if it helps us, uh, if it helps us to have a, a plan something like that, I think you're absolutely right. It's worth, it's a risk worth taking. To, but um, I don't think of improvisations that I do anyway it's a, of being something that. I necessarily would want to play again or to have someone play again that's kind of what I was uh what I was thinking.
0: Right because if you are writing down the things that you played just a moment ago right with the intention of playing them again then mm-hmm. why would you do this because you in in an hour you can improvise anything you want right something differently um like sure. uh, right um, it's like public speaking, right? Uh, speaking in public. Some, yeah. some people do memorize things and uh, memorize speeches, but others improvise. Improvise. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's, is a l- very different uh, when, when people listen to memorized speech, right? Even though it's performed mm-hmm. with, with a vigor, with intention, intensity, uh, with, with, with very, very um, good... Performance skills, right? Public performance, but uh, on the other hand, if you if you wing it, if you if you do it uniquely just once, right, and never do it again mm-hmm. the same way, it 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 elevates, I think, your performance in a, in a level that nobody else can replicate, right? But you mm-hmm. at this moment, only. I think
1: that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's true, and I think. You know, if if we want to grow as improvisers, the danger is, you know, especially for if we might happen to be one who's more, um, uh, what do I want to say, whose talent at it uh, is is fairly um, present. I think it can become difficult for us to grow at some point, and and what we end up doing is kind of just keep quoting ourselves and. You know, putting a different theme in the same old thing that we, that we kind of intuitively can do,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and and so I think I think for me the the challenge uh, is and the and the beautiful possibility always is looking at each and each individual tune melody and trying to figure out what it's wanting to do in that particular moment instead of what we can do to it, um, and so. Uh, it becomes less click and drag and more you know i've never seen this file before what can what can it be that that's the part that that's the part that excites me but it's a, it's it's also the part that's, again that's the part that levels us um if if we're always willing to be vulnerable to what we can do in a moment instead of just to trust what we know we've done before mm-hmm. uh, it makes us all kind of have that edge uh and nobody's really uh, nobody's more prepared for that than anybody mm-hmm. else. Nobody's really uh, skilled to that more than anyone else. We all just figure it out in our own way. So
0: that's, exactly, that's exactly what uh, Marcel Dupre would ex- describe uh, as improvisation in his treatises uh, when he talked about that the theme dictates everything. Uh, right not not the other way around uh, w- the w- whatever melody you have in front of you whether you composed yourself whether somebody else has given it to you whether you took this theme from the pre-existing melodies right uh, this this theme probably uh, has has the inner workings of your of your form, of your style, anything that will come out of it, because it's it's encoded, encoded basically in the in the theme itself. Don't you agree?
2: Mm-hmm. hmm Right. No,
1: I think that's that's totally right. I, um, it, it might be interesting for folks listening to this. There, there are archived on YouTube a couple of uh, workshops that I did for for the AGO um, some years ago that. And, and a lot of it is about that idea of looking very deeply at the themes that, that we play and figuring out how our treatment of them can kinda of organically be related. Mm-hmm. They're very simple kinds of uh ideals but uh especially the way that they're played out in that particular workshop, but I think that's definitely something I would hope to work towards <laughs> um in any more com- complex kinds of things i might work on too. So uh, yeah, i think i think you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, i'll make sure i will put those links to the to those workshops in the description of this of this podcast. Oh, great. Because yeah, i I, great. I agree it's very helpful to to look at how you are teaching and how you are demonstrating uh, to people and try 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 this do think in practice yeah not only in mm-hmm. in theory but uh, hands on mm-hmm. experience great uh, so tom uh, uh, in your daily routine as a church organist uh, do you improvise more than you perform uh, pre existing compositions what's the balance of of improvisation and performance for you
1: yeah sure um i think in terms of, of him playing I would say I do improvise um, a lot more than I would use other resources for how to treat hymns. Um, I rarely use, you know, other reharmonizations or introductions in that thing that are published, and, and tend to just try to let those be spontaneous in, uh, in the moment. Although I do prepare them. I mean, but not something that I even I tend to write out. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the programs that I play, uh, almost always there are some some elements of improvisation. But I mean, I've never been one to to say that I love improvising more than playing the great composers. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I always do look forward to 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 playing literature uh, by all means. And, um, one of the things I've done so often over the years is to play silent film accompaniments,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which uh, is a very kind of unusual. Um, although it's getting more usual now, I, I think in this particular time. But uh, uh, but it, but it uh, it's been an unusual thing for me to think about that because those are just such giant um, endeavors. You know, some of the movies are two hours long, and so. Anybody you know that can imp- anybody that has to play anything for that long? Golly, that's a challenge. But to keep your brain and your wits about you. So um, th- those are programs where I improvise 100% of the time. So <laughs> oh, I would. <laughs> so I think, uh, uh,
0: fantastically. I would. Uh, I would die to to not only to listen how you do this but also listen to you talk uh, about the process of you do of, of uh, accompanying silent films so maybe that's that's the topic for the future also wonderful all right <laughs> <laughs> you just you just uh, keep keep doing the generous work that you do and I think more more and more people will start to be less afraid of trying those magical things in their practice and uh, uh, mm-hmm. who knows, you know, maybe maybe more o- organists will also try to accompany silent movies as well mm-hmm. and of course sure. uh, in your in your uh, liturgical playing, uh, I know you are music director at uh, in, at First Plymouth Church, right? In Lincoln, Nebraska yes. uh, uh-huh. that's the great place with a large, very large uh, I believe, Schoenstein organ, right? Um, Correct. Okay, and right. Yeah. Uh, very fantastic place, very great musical tradition there. I remember going into many concerts myself when when was I was doing my doctorate there. and At UNL, I mean. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Tom, uh, when you improvise uh, for liturgy, uh, you mentioned you have a formal plan in your mind, right? Do you sometimes uh, improvise without any preparation as well? <laughs> like in yeah, the moment? Yeah,
1: I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are times, in, if we're honest, in, in service playing where we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and we didn't know we were going to need to do anything. But, you know, so the pastor forgot his notes, so the communion takes longer than we expected, or, you know, the procession isn't done, and you're not, and you're almost to the end of the hymn, and so I think, yeah, there are all kinds of things that can happen. I think also if you're open to the feeling of, this is what I love about service playing, you're open to what ends up transpiring in the liturgy, what whether it was from a particular way the pastor's sermon uh affected what happened next in the service or the way that people sang the closing hymn had a particular impact well then whatever you might be playing you know for the the closing voluntary that day or for the communion improvisation even if you had a great idea going in it may not feel right to you in your gut and so yeah I think I think there are times where you trust um, the context of a situation uh, and and then you, and then you um, one of the things I often to, to tell people is you know, you, sometimes we don't feel that we're that prepared for one particular thing, but we have to realize our whole life has been in pre- preparation for the moment we're about to see and I, I, I lean on that a lot it's, as though all the time I spent as a musician since my first Suzuki piano lesson through all those years in the choir through all those organ lessons, you know, through all those theory classes, mm-hmm. through all those choir rehearsals I've led, all of that leads us to a particular place, and we can lean on all of that in any particular moment. Every, musical, every music piece we've ever heard or played or seen, that all becomes a part of what we can offer in, in a particular moment, and so um, I, think, I think that's an important perspective for us to have, too
0: well exactly uh, because those pieces those musical ideas that we heard uh, in the past or played in the past right will dictate wh- how we will behave in this moment right uh, unless we i hope ho- so <laughs> un- <laughs> un- unless we mm-hmm. panic so much that mm-hmm. we freeze and uh, can't really mm-hmm. move a leg or 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 a, or a <laughs> finger right um yeah, exactly. But but that's that's an, another extreme feeling, right? Panic. Um, by the way, uh, Tom, uh, how would you recommend people deal with with a panic uh, be, uh, d- during the performance, whether it's improvisation or uh, written out composition? How would you recommend people react to this feeling, which is inevitable, probably for many of us?
1: Oh my God, God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for any of us. I think there are a couple of things that come to mind. One is, be aware of your breath as much as you can,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and that's never—it's never going to hurt to to be mindful of our breath in a difficult moment. I mean, that's never going to hurt us. I think uh, in terms of improvising in a in a in a difficult moment, what I would say is our tendency would be to keep to try to keep a lot of things going and for it to sound like we're lost and maybe the the thing would be let that be a moment for the pedal to play something on its own or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to sim- in other words to simplify and untangle and then see what which one of those threads is going to pull you into something new so um, uh, the, I, I think of those two things I, I know I've leaned on those two things more than once <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. but that's extremely <laughs> and, and, helpful uh, yeah
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, to give ourselves permission that everybody, you know, um, something I've also realized is everybody in any given room, um, no matter how snarky they are, we, we've all had those times where we've needed the grace of another chance. And so I can remember a couple of times in my career saying, I'm going to start this one again, you know, (laughs) and, and, uh, and it's not the end of the world, you know, that, um, so there
0: there's that too right so perfection uh, perfectionism is not really helpf- helpful right here uh, to be to be uh, to to think that oh i must to play perfectly uh, right uh, from the beginning until the end this counterpoint must be uh, perfect right this canon must be without any dissonances right uh, it's not really probably helpful to limit yourself so much that you even can't breathe <laughs> right
1: no, that's right, and i think I think that's exactly right this the um there is there are stressful situations you know being in like the competitions and things like that uh but I think you know as you're getting ready for really what you anticipate as being really stressful things, then you have to go about um Putting yourself in positions that have some stress, preparing for that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's helpful too. You know, if you if you're getting ready for a recital, and the first time you play it in front of people is when you're actually in the recital, you know that's dangerous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If um, and it's so much better to have a group of people come and hear hear it before that, you know, and to see what happens when when somebody's looking at you or um, I think um, I think also for, as an improviser to, to take recordings of uh, which is so much easier to do now than it was um, to take recordings of yourself uh, and to listen to them uh, you know not necessarily that same day when you remember what you did but a few days later to see if you can understand what the form is you know what you can follow what's happening Mm -hmm. Or does it just sound like there's just a bunch of stuff going on? And so, because you have to remember, the person listening to the improvisation is not inside your head. And so they don't know exactly what you're trying to do. You have to be able to get out of your own head and on the other side and discern if someone's going to be able to hear what you actually are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so
0: what you're saying probably that a person has to be able to communicate right it's a musical language Absolutely. basically. it's another way of communicating and uh, sharing ideas sharing stories probably telling stories that people can relate mm-hmm. to um, and sometimes I think those that's right and there's go ahead
1: I was just going to say, and I think, uh-huh. you know, you used the word earlier of talking about perfection, and I think of it more as a place of ultimate authenticity, you know, that, that what we do is so true to us, uh, but it's so informed from everything we've studied and learned um, as well, and, and, and yet in that particular moment, it becomes the absolute most compelling thing from our heart and mind and body and spirit that we can offer and that to me is the kind of thing that can communicate um, it may not be perfect but it's going to have a musical ideal and um, sensitivity and uh, c- and connection that cannot be denied you know, and to me that's the
0: goal right and uh, you know what's interesting when uh, when you improvise when you try to connect with people in an authentic way uh, people tend to forgive you more than w- they would forgive you for uh, playing the wrong notes in in a, a real pre-existing composition right did you notice it's that
1: that's true yeah mm-hmm. no i think you're right it, there's a there's a grace in some ways because because people understand this is unfolding, you know, in in someone's mind. I think, uh, I think it's, I think there is a, a sort of unwritten rule of what you just described.
0: <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so when you improvise, of course, uh, you can be very modern in your sounds, right? Quite harsh sometimes, right? And what's mm-hmm. fascinating to me, Tom, is that. Uh, for example if you are uh, playing a <coughs> recital of modern sounding uh, music p- wh- which was p- composed before by somebody uh, I- in our uh, organ world right like a master let's say let's say turnemir or let's say messian right mm-hmm. anybody uh, from mm-hmm. those days uh, very dissonant sometimes music right uh, and mm-hmm. you compare to that feeling uh, with your own improvisations. You could improvise in, in any of those styles, in your own style, m- making uh, modern-sounding uh, pieces right in the moment. And you know what's fascinating? That people would love your spontaneous improvisations, even though they they you know feel it uh, it's it's very dissonant composition and uh, uh, technically very challenging and difficult to perceive uh, in your mind the sounds that you're recreating they would appreciate it much more than uh, real modern compositions don't you think
1: mm-hmm. I think you're right that another um, <laughs> sometimes how I've thought of that is uh it sounds like sometimes pieces sound like somebody was improvising they're not uh, they're not distinguishable in in some way from something that could be necessarily uh, sort of spontaneously like something spontaneously evoked could, could convey a similar kind of spirit and I think you're right that to know you're the only ones in the history of the world that are ever hearing that as it's unfolding you know there's there's something different about that um Naturally, then, uh, just to say, I'm going to open up this case—not as beautiful as it i am going to open up this case from the museum mm-hmm. and show you what's inside of it. You know, there's—it's a different kind of uh, different kind of connection that we we can make. I think you're right. Uh, not better or worse, but just different.
0: Different, exactly. Uh, that's what I noticed in my performances. Whenever I play modern music and whenever I improvise modern-sounding music as well. So mm-hmm. people tend to uh, react more more uh, engagingly, basically engage more uh, in, in the spontaneous music-making than, than pre-existing pieces. Of course, it's a factor of being familiar with the music. And of course, if you are uh, improvising it for the first time, it's completely unfamiliar, right? And if you are okay. playing modern sounding music uh, who which was written by somebody else, it's also unknown, it's also unfamiliar right, so both that's factors true. are the yeah. same, but uh, somehow improvisation makes you feel more alive, makes you feel more, as you say, vulnerable and that's a level where people can connect with you even more mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's right so Tom um, fantastic uh, fantastic interview fantastic insights and uh, before we end this conversation can you uh, can you tell us just one thing one thing that you wish you knew when you first started improvising
1: (laughs) well you know that's a a really interesting question Um, I I certainly uh, wished I would have known how many people uh would have been willing to help me f- figure it out uh-huh. uh... better and so i i sent, well, i guess what i mean by that is now that i've uh... been kind of growing up in this i realize ha- what a small world it is of people that care super deeply about this improvisation thing and i sense that every one of them is always open to having conversations and um... to give advice and, and to to offer support and encouragement and inspiration and so I would anybody that's loosely interested don't think any of us don't want to don't don't want you to contact us but um you know I love having a chance to hear from people who are excited about improvisation and and who who want who want something to lean on to to grow a little bit more so um I wish I hadn't hadn't been quite so shy about that part of it um uh as a kid
0: so what you're saying tom is so priceless because uh, because uh, probably people like you who are uh, entering this new world right of improvisation entering or at least having a glimpse to take a glimpse into this new p- world of possibilities right they, they start to share things in common with you right uh, whoever is uh, on the other continent improvising and you yourself in America right and you have the, mm-hmm. those things to discuss and, and you are both insiders somehow right insiders of this craft of this art mysterious art sometimes uh, and yes you are sort of from one tribe right Mm-hmm. And you can I think understand right. each other, right? That nobody else can understand and you. No musician, Tom, can understand you unless he or she is improviser, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the idea of you know once w- anybody who's willing to start improvising, we realize we're all in the same in the same club together, you know, and we're all just figuring out from wherever we might happen to be. And uh, it's not as mysterious and mystical in some ways as I, uh, in the relationships anyways, uh, uh, that can support and sustain us as improvisers are not as mystical and mysterious as the uh, the art itself. So, and elusive. So, I mean, don't be shy about reaching out to people to help you and to, to nurture you and encourage you and vice versa, so it's, that's important.
0: Fantastic And of course Don't be afraid of uh, Of uh, Being aware of your breath Right When improvisation uh, When panic attacks uh, You during the performance Right That really can save you And as you say uh, You can simplify things uh, Play a solo melody mm-hmm. In the pedals In mm-hmm. the hands uh, Right And then You can uh, Go from there when, Whenever You are recovered Basically
1: Absolutely. The theme is your best friend, for sure.
0: (laughs) Fantastic ending. The theme is your best friend, Tom. And uh, could you tell us uh, a link where our listeners can find more about you and your work online?
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Definitely you can check uh, concertorganist.com which would share with you things from the Karen McFarlane artist and also Uh, My church's uh, website has a lot of interesting things, too, and a YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. and that's firstplymouth.org.
0: Fantastic! I'll make sure I will put those things into the description of this uh, podcast. And, Thank you, and uh, I hope we will keep in touch. You will have so much things to offer to the to the organ world. I I I, I have no doubt, and uh, people who are whoever will be listening to us from eighty nine countries, you know, uh, they will at least will try their hand uh, in improvisation, right? Uh, try to sit on the own organ bench for 10 minutes playing something that which was not written Absolutely. before for 10 minutes it's the <laughs> most the most the most scariest uh, experience in my life probably those 10 minutes when i was you know having no music no no pre-existing melodies but it had to be with myself and my own feelings did you did you have this experience by the way
1: yeah um you know and i and i think what you're saying one of the things i often think about is you know if you if you happen to be on a trip somewhere and you suddenly walk into it to a church and you, and you see this incredible organ and you happen to see somebody and you say oh i'm an organist and they say well we'd be happy to have you come up and play and then you say oh i don't have any music
0: right that's the worst and thing so, you can say
1: yes you do i'm sure you do deep down inside of you you have some music that, that's, that's just longing to come out and so I encourage people to figure out how, uh, how that's wanting to sound and, and what they can give and, and how good that can feel to share the music that comes from within
0: Do you know what people feel, fear the most I think more than improvisation deep inside I think uh, they fear more uh, of going out with their songs still inside them
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's another wow. you know that's a, t- a very powerful way of thinking. I, I've heard it someplace, or uh, I think, I think Seth Godin, the blogger, uh, talks about that fear uh, at the end of of your life, right? Uh, when you think back about mm-hmm. the things that you did, and if if you didn't live a meaningful life, uh, you feel like your songs are still inside you, right? So in a way, it's yeah. yes, it's oh, a metha- wow. m- metaphor, but but sometimes it's a literal representation if you have musical ideas that were longing to come out and you were, you know, too too scared to, to let it happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, That's right. You know. So let's use this time while still we have this in our lives wisely For and sure. purposefully. <laughs> Amen. For sure. Amen. <laughs> Amen Yes. So uh, fantastic work uh, in, and inspiration uh, Tom from around the world to you and um, I, I hope you will have a tremendously brave and creative year ahead of you and stay healthy
1: Well, thank you so much, and you too. It's good to talk to you today.
0: Great. So, uh, we will talk about those silent movies next time, perhaps, and uh, uh, our listeners will find out so much about how you can do magical things with your hands and feet uh, while uh, (laughs) cinema is going uh, on the screen and you are on the base, (laughs) right? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much. And have fun improvising.
1: Thank
0: you. Blessings to you too. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Pinkavitus, Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you online really soon.